0: Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you'd promised something, but when it got to it, you completely forgot or utterly failed to deliver? This happened to me about a year ago. Our youngest daughter, Jemima, was about to start nursery. And I promised my wife, Susie, that uh, when she went to nursery, I would take her out for a special breakfast to mark the occasion. Now, we've got four kids, so getting them all to that point of starting school or nursery is really quite a big deal. But when it got to the week, I completely forgot. I booked a work appointment down in Hereford, which meant I had to leave at half five in the morning. So I couldn't even say goodbye to the kids and have a good day at school, let alone take Susie out for a special breakfast. Well, you'll be pleased to know that I made up for it this year, I took her out for a special breakfast at Betty's. But at the time, a year ago, I just felt horrible. I felt really bad that I'd let her down, that I'd failed. I'd not delivered on my promises. I'd been all words and no action. There was no fruit to show for the words and the promises that I'd made. Well, in the book of Mark and chapter 11, we read this fascinating story of Jesus cursing a fig tree for having no fruit. I mean, we've probably all heard of the amazing miracles that Jesus did and the healings and the incredible acts of kindness, but cursing a fig tree seems really unusual, really strange. Uh, But actually, if we delve underneath and take a little bit of time to understand it, There is some utter gold in this story and an incredible challenge as well. So we're going to dive in. We're going to look together at Mark 11 from verse 12. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. So what's going on here? Well, this comes just after Jesus has made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem on a donkey. And it's the next day and he's hungry and he's drawn to a fig tree in the distance, except it's not quite the season for figs. So why is Jesus drawn to it? Well, one of the things that you need to know about fig trees is that they produce fruit as soon as the leaves start to show. So as this tree is displaying leaves, it's giving all the signals that it has the fruit. It's raising hopes and expectations that something is going to be on offer that will satisfy Jesus's hunger. Of course, Jesus gets there and he is bitterly disappointed and he curses the tree. But there's more going on here, too, and his disciples would have known it. You see, throughout the Old Testament, the people of God were often referred to as God's tree or God's vineyard. And Israel itself was often symbolized as a fig tree. In Hosea 9 verse 10, God says this. When I found Israel, it was like finding grapes in the desert. When I saw your ancestors, it was like seeing the early fruit on the fig tree. And throughout the Old Testament, God, through the prophets, the teachers, the kings, has been leading and encouraging his people, the nation of Israel, to produce spiritual fruit that will bless the whole world. In Isaiah chapter 27 and verse 3, it says this. In days to come, Jacob will take root. Israel will bud and blossom and fill all the world with fruit. So on the surface, this seems a confusing story, but to the disciples, they grew up with the scriptures. They knew the teachings of the Old Testament and they would have fully understood the symbolism about Israel being like a fig tree. So when Jesus curses the tree for having no fruit... It's like he's saying Israel is spiritually barren. And there's yet more because everything that Jesus is saying and doing here is then confirmed in the following verses. Let's read on again. Mark 11, verse 15. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those that were selling doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, is it not written? My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you have made it into a den of robbers. So what's going on? The temple is busy. It's the Passover feast and pilgrims would have been coming from all over the world to worship. Vendors are selling things for the feast and money changers are forcing the pilgrims to change their money into a local currency so that they can pay the temple tax. Basically, people are being ripped off. They're being cheated and the temple is not doing what God had set it up for. God had called the people of Israel to produce fruit that would bless the whole world. And the temple was to be a place of worship and prayer for all nations. But instead, what does Jesus find? Corruption, extortion and a place that is spiritually barren, just like the fig tree. It's giving all the signs of fruit. It's busy. There's lots going on, but it's all just leaves. There's no spiritual fruit on display that will bless the world. The place is spiritually dead. Wow. All of that in six verses. And it's a seriously sharp rebuke from Jesus. But it isn't just a rebuke for back then. This is a warning sign. The people of God were not being what God had called them to be. And this is a message that we need to heed as well. You see, I don't want to be just leaves. I don't want to look like everything is sorted on the outside, be seen to be doing and saying the right things, but then not have a life that matches up to it. Like the times when I've said to someone, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll pray for you and then, promptly just forget to follow through. Or the times that I make lots of noise about wanting to help others and serve the poor, but then have nothing to show for it. All leaves, but no fruit. And G2, we don't want to be a church that's just leaves. One that might look really good on the outside, is attractive, has great music and great messages and great displays, but has little fruit to show. This is a challenge for us, especially right now when this world is lost, is gripped by fear and people are desperately seeking hope and just don't know where to turn. It was God's intention that the church would be a house of prayer for all nations and that the people of God would bring the hope of God to bless The city of York and England and Europe and even the whole world. But if truth be told, I think sometimes I am just leaves. I get tired. I get overwhelmed. Sometimes I can't be bothered to pray and other times I get so engrossed in what I'm doing that I I forget to think about others. I forget to follow through on my promises. Sound familiar for you? So here's the big question. How do we make sure that our lives individually and together as a church are producing spiritual fruit? Well, thankfully, Jesus has got plenty to say about this. So stay with me. Lean in right now, because we're going to look at some brilliant teaching from Jesus in the book of John that is going to help us with this. In John 15 and verse 5, Jesus says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Notice that last sentence, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you were sat here listening to the first part of this talk and you thought, oh no, I'm I'm failing, I need to try harder, I'm not praying enough, I, I might just be leaves, then let's just renounce that lie straight away. It's not about trying in your own strength. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. Great. So that's the answer. Remain in Jesus. Happy days. We can all go home. Except what does that even mean? What does it mean to remain in Jesus? Well, the first step is to stop. To pause. To be still before God. And I want to unpack with you three reasons why we need to do this. How this helps us to Remain in Jesus, to produce spiritual fruit and to grow in prayer. The first reason we pause is to re-centre. You see, in this world that is incredibly fast paced with marketing and politics and social media and work, all these things trying to steal and grab your attention, the answer isn't to try harder and to do more. The answer is to stop, to be still, to move away from yourself and focus on Jesus. Fruit comes by pausing first, by being still, by recentering our lives on Jesus and His words. In John fifteen and verse three, Jesus reminds His followers of the needs to recenter themselves on truth. He says this, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Do you always feel like that? Clean? It's the truth. Because Jesus came and died and rose again, you are clean. You are righteous, you are holy, you are pure. But this world will try and rob you of that truth every day. And it can be pretty hard to produce fruit when you're feeling like a failure or worthless. When I come to pray, I try to pause first, to recenter my scattered senses and thoughts onto Jesus and his words of truth. He says to me, Dan, you are already clean. Remain in me and you will bear much fruit. Secondly, we pause to submit. That's what it means to be rooted in the vine. You know, as a branch, you, you can't grow by yourself. You must first be rooted in the vine, connected to the source. Our flourishing is totally dependent on Jesus, the true vine. You are supported by him. It's not the other way around. Therefore, we pause to submit to Jesus and to God, the master gardener. 1 Peter 5 verse 6 says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. He may cause you to flourish and grow. And humbling ourselves does something else as well. It reminds us of the authority of the one we sit under. Like bowing to a king or a queen, that action reminds you of their authority. And when we pray, we're told to pray in the authority of Jesus and not in our own strength. In John 14, Jesus says, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the son may bring glory to the father. You may ask me anything in my name and I will do it. In the time of Jesus, the name of a person had huge meaning. It was indicative of their character and what they were like. Now, when Susie and I had children, we thought long and hard about the names that we gave them. We, we looked them up. We found out what the meaning was. We, we prayed about them and we continue to pray now that our children would grow into the full meaning of their names, that their lives would display the fruits of God as expressed in their names. I mentioned our youngest child, Jemima Ray, who's just started school. Well, Jemima's name means little dove. And so we pray that she would be full of the peace of God, that she would display the fruits of God's peace in her life and to bless those around her. Names are important. And to pray in the name of Jesus means to pray that in a way that is consistent with his character and his will. But to do that, you first need to pause, to submit to him, to get to know what Jesus is like, to let his words remain in you so that you can pray in his name and his authority. And finally, the third reason we pause is so that we would produce Spiritual fruit. In John 15 and verse 2, we read that God cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit, while every branch that does, he prunes so that it would produce even more fruit. God's in the business of producing fruit in our lives, of changing us even more into the likeness of his son Jesus, so that we would bless the world with spiritual fruit from our lives. But the thing is, God is kind and gentle he will never force himself upon us it's when we come and pause before him we recenter ourselves and submit before his authority that he gently leads us into fruitful ways for example how many times when you've prayed about something have you then gone on to become the answer to your prayers So often when I've been praying about a situation, ideas have popped into my head of something that I could do that would actually help in that situation, that would make it better or maybe acts of kindness that would show and bring God's love. This happened to me recently. I was was praying for a friend who is really struggling right now. And the idea thought in my head that I could write them a card. There were some encouraging things that I could send and say to them. And then later on that day, I stumbled across a book that I realised it it was just what they needed to read. It was just what they needed to hear. It would really bless them. And so I popped it in the post. All that because I paused, I'd stopped. I'd let God speak to me in that time. Or at other times when we're pausing in prayer, I've maybe realised that there's something I need to put right with somebody. That's all come out of, Pausing before God, recentering, submitting, and allowing Him then to produce that fruit in me so that I would be the answer to my prayers. To finish, I want to take us back to Jesus and His disciples after He's cursed the fig tree, He's caused chaos in the temple. Because the next day, the disciples spot that same fig tree and it says that it is withered from the roots, it's dead. But Jesus' response in this moment is incredible. Hear what he says in Mark 11 from verse 22. Have faith in God. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, Believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now, I don't suspect that Jesus wanted them to start moving mountains and chucking them into the sea. He's using metaphors here, but he's he's making a very powerful point. Remember, the disciples have just witnessed the mess of the temple, the spiritually barren nation of Israel, the people of God not producing spiritual fruit to bless the world as God has intended. But Jesus says, take heart, have faith, because I choose you. You're going to bring this fruit that will bless the world, and you're going to do it through prayer. Jump back into John 15 and verse 16, and Jesus says something very similar again. He says, you did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. G2, we were chosen to produce fruit, fruit that would last and bring God's blessing to this whole world. But we can only do this with Jesus. By remaining in him. And the way to do that and to start that is first to pause. To be still. To re To submit to God in prayer and then to let the master gardener shape us and prune us in that place. So that we would produce fruit that this world so desperately needs to let's not be a church or a people that are just leaves. Let's be a church which produces good fruit. And let's do this by learning first to pause in prayer. So let's take a moment to pause now. Wherever you are, Whatever you're doing, can I encourage you to stop if you can? Breathe slowly and deeply for a moment. Just focus on your breathing. Sometimes I like to say the name of Jesus in my mind as I Breathe in and breathe out. You can help me to focus. So let's pray. Jesus, we pause now to recenter our scattered senses onto your truth. Thank you that you love me and that you choose me. Jesus, we pause now to submit to your authority. You alone are God and are worthy of all praise. Jesus, we pause now so that we would produce spiritual fruit. Holy Spirit, would you stir in us so that our lives would produce more and more fruit so that we may bless this world. Jesus, help us to pause every day and teach us to pray. We ask this in your name. Amen.